The following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fezcast underscore SSA. You can search Facebook for the Fezcast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the Fezcast. Welcome to the next episode of the Fezcast. Um, apologies in advance. We've got me sitting here freezing cold with a bit of a sniffle. I've got Joe Peake, who's uh, got a bit of a cough, so croaking a bit. And Barry, I don't know what's wrong with you, but are you all right? <laughs> what's wrong with me? Well, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> what about 15 minutes for this section, so maybe we'll skip over that. How are you feeling, Joe? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, I'd like to say it's from from the um, from the yelling at uh, at the uh, the Gloucester game, which I'm sure we'll we'll cover off with our with our excellent guest later. But um, uh, yeah, there was a considerable amount of shouting at that game. But uh, you know, back to work. We are beckons. Nah, seems fair. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll reveal our guest towards the end of this section. Maybe we'll we'll hang on to that one just to keep you in suspense a little bit. But uh, we're going to start off talking about the. Uh, the men's match, but but before that, you know, myself and Barry do have to have to be slightly smug. Um, that um, thanks to Socios, actually, both of us, by pure coincidence, um, won a little draw at the same time, and we uh, we had a bit of um, bit of hundred club hospitality for the uh, Saracens men's match against Newcastle. And I, I personally, I was um, incredibly out of place. It was immediately obvious that I didn't belong there. But I think Barry, you were you were a bit better than me, weren't you? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but (laughs) what I would say to our listeners is if any of you get the chance to experience the 100 Club, uh, go. Just do whatever it takes to to get there because it is such a a wonderful experience. And in this country, we're we're well known for muttering under our breath and complaining about poor service. But the service we got from the staff there on Saturday was absolutely first class and they really do make it an excellent day for anyone who's in in that particular lounge. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, I, I unfortunately made a right old mess of the cauliflower cheese on the uh, on the buffet table. Um, so apologies for the staff there for for spilling my plate of food. Um, but um, no, it, it was brilliant, wasn't it? We had a um, a little pre match um, interview between Ali Hargreaves and Jackson Ray. It was just a privilege to see both of those in action, and um, a lovely padded seat for the match as well, which is uh, brilliant for any of uh, any of you that got of hemorrhoids out there. So yeah. <laughs> Um, but don't worry, everyone in the uh, in the south stand. I'll be back in there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not betraying all of you properly. But yeah, it was uh, it was definitely good fun, wasn't it, Barry? Yeah, definitely. Um, t- top class food. Um, good good service. Uh, very nice seats. Did you say it was a bit cold up there though? Because you're actually quite <laughs> high up, and it's uh, <laughs> the wind does whistle in a bit. Uh, un, un, unblocked. Yes, yeah. I mean, they're expensive seats, but they can't um, they can't heat them up. That's probably uh, probably the tulip club that one. But yeah. Anyway, we should probably talk about the match itself, um, which again we kind of need to do in two halves. I think really, um, you know, we we looked at the side that we uh, we were putting out against a full strength Newcastle team, and we were potentially a little bit worried that um, that we might come a cropper. Um, but started off very well, didn't it? But you know, thanks in a way to a uh, a Newcastle red card very early on what did you uh, what did you make of that because we didn't get a great view of it on the screen from the stadium did we really no i it, it was difficult it was as as the game started i think it was quite even i mean we did start well and, and scored first but then newcastle sort of went back up the other end and and scored themselves and they were they were it, it looked real relatively uh, you know even until the their chap got sent off it was you can say it was almost an identical one to the um the Scottish player the Scottish lock who was sent off yesterday in the six nations um it was one of those where he, he didn't really make much of an effort to rap and as such he doesn't get any any mitigation on it um it's a fine line between a rugby incident and a and a serious offense but um yeah it, it, under under the current protocols it was the right decision uh it was a shame because you, d- you don't think he was he, he wasn't intending to hurt no. Theo Dan um but under the under the current protocols no attempt to wrap with his arm and he's he's always going to go if there's contact made with the head 
Oh, exactly right, yeah. Um, and it'll happen to us over the course of the season, as it all, all already has. Um, yep. And yeah, it's just one of those things that, unfortunately, rugby at the moment, we do have to, to live with it. People will tackle high, people will get sent off. It is the right thing. Um, but yeah, the rest of the first half, um, pretty strong. Um, yeah, we're obviously playing against um, against 14 men, but you still have to uh, have to put them away. And in the first half, we, we did look like we were doing that, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from from the moment they went down to fourteen, um, th- that was it was pretty much one way traffic from from then on. Um, Saracens were were as as ruthless and brilliant as we've seen them all season, probably for for the rest of that that first half. I mean, Billy with his little chicken wing offloads, and there was all sorts of of what you might call champagne rugby coming out. Um, but it, it was a very very good first half, and. Uh, I mean, um, some of the, some of the newer players, some of the less experienced players, uh, should we say, um, really did make a, a name for themselves as well as as Billy. But I mean, Alex Lewington's in in some form at the moment, isn't he? He is. Yeah. I mean, I actually thought he had um, quite a quiet start to the season in a way. He wasn't necessarily in the form that that he he had been in over the last couple of years. But yeah, certainly, um, probably since December. Um, I'd say yeah, he's really, really coming to something. And, and regardless of how well he's he's playing, he's a fantastic finisher. Um, yeah. You know, he'll be he'll be quiet for an entire game, but yeah, all of a sudden he'll pop up on a wing with about three inches worth of space to to use. And um, yeah, he's a he's a fantastic try scorer. He's up there with any of them. Um, and actually, this I know we've spoken about Andy Christie, Bernal, Billy Vinopola quite a lot on this show, but I think it's important to note that both Andy Christie and Bernal are barely trained with Saracens this week. I think they're obviously both released from international duty um, and had to play this week pretty much because they were the only back row available. Mm. Um, I thought they were all fantastic. Yeah. I, all, all the, uh, all the pack were. I mean, Theo Dan just goes from from strength to strength, and he's one of those players who I think the more we see of him, the 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 better and the stronger he's going to get. And he he really does look like a heck of a prospect. And I, it's awkward because obviously playing um, hooker, he's he's behind <laughs> two or three decent decent lads as well. But I just hope he gets some some serious game time and a, and a decent run in the side because he will be one heck of a player. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and the other one that I want to pick up on, particularly from that first half, was uh, our Premiership debutant, Ollie Hartley, at inside centre, who I think you could pick him out a mile off, actually. He was a big, tall fella, and um, he'd already put on a bit of timber in his uh, in his early career as well. He does look a big, big, strong lad. He carried well, he tackled well, and um, he does look like a hot prospect, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's great to see. Uh, I, I know we'll come on to England later on, but centre is one of those positions that we don't seem to have a great deal of uh, of young talent coming through at international level. So it's it's great to see one coming through at, at Saracens. Absolutely, yeah. Now that's all the good stuff, um, and then really we have to talk about the second half, um, which for us just didn't happen, did it? No, I listened to um, to Smalley uh, to part of Smalley's interview. Uh, today and he wasn't he was quite scathing about them in the second half um he couldn't quite put his finger on exactly what had gone wrong but he 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 wasn't very happy with it I think it was probably one of those things that they probably looked at the it it must be really hard not to mentally look at the scoreline and go well we're 20 29 13 up they're down to 14 they barely had a look in since they've been down to 14 and we only just have to sort of turn up and and coast for the rest of the game and to be fair we were we were quite comfortable for for 20 odd minutes it was only once we made the changes and 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 things got a bit disrupted and and we went to sleep for that um adam radwan try which was very cleverly done but it was still pretty naff defending and there was a couple of players facing the wrong way as he took the quick uh the quick line out and that was it obviously once he gets going is no one's really going to catch him uh he's he's exceptionally rapid but I, th- I think it was more of a case of we just mentally switched off and I think with a younger side that's almost almost understandable if if not um if not good um but it's one they'll learn from and it, it that is something that's easy to fix you know perhaps with slightly perhaps with hindsight they, they should have had a 
had a bit of a G up with them with half time and said, you know, right, okay, forget that. Let's go out and win the second half. Um, because if they'd done that, they they probably would have run away with it. But I think it was just one of those things of that they they just switched off a little bit and took their foot off the gas a, a, a tad and paid the price. I mean, ultimately, it didn't really make much of a difference with a with a almost a makeshift team, quite. Um, we we got the five points and that was all we could possibly get out of the game. No, that's very true. And yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think, yeah, you probably learn more from Newcastle making something of a comeback in the second half and us not hanging on, but having to, to make sure we didn't really slip up. Um, probably learnt more from that than if we'd have scored another 30 points and it would have been a rout. So it is uh, it is how it goes. Um, but yeah, like you say, five points. Um, cemented at the top Sale have obviously uh, dropped some points um, and we're looking pretty good for uh, or pretty much guaranteed for top four and looking very good for top two and almost close to finishing top of the league as well so it's uh, it's looking pretty good um, with a with a trip to Sale to come so yeah not everything to like about our performance against Newcastle but at the end of the day a win's a win I think we've probably covered as enough of that as we can so we will take a little break um, and afterwards we'll have our guest on the show um, who is Saracens Women's second row powerhouse, Louise McMillan, who's going to be joining us from uh, from north of the border. So we'll be back in a bit. We'll bring Joe back in and we'll have a chat with Lou. <laughs> Listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association, and I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that. Every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. So yes, welcome back to the Fezcast and welcome to the show, Louise McMillan. How are you doing, Lou? You okay? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. No problem at all. No problem at all. So those of you that have been watching enough rugby this season will know that Lou is one of our uh, one of our major signings for uh, for this season. And in my personal opinion, has been one of the players of the year so far. Um, how have you found <laughs> it at Saracen so far? Is it is it, um, is it a big change from uh, from previous uh, previous teams you've played in or, or just a nice step in the right direction for you? Yeah, no, completely. This has been one of the best changes I've ever... It's one of the biggest changes, but also one of the best decisions I've made in my life. So previously, I played up in Scotland, but also worked full-time. Um, and then just before summer there, and before the World Cup, um, Scotland gave us contracts. So I think even before I got that contract, I kind of knew that I wanted to play down south. Um, and like teammates I played with, like Scotland teammates had kind of mentioned some clubs that they were playing at might be interested. And then I think Retty maybe mentioned that Saris might be looking for some second row. And I think that was the one I was most excited about. And then I did actually speak to a few other clubs, but then when Alex got in touch, it kind of was like the irresistible offer um, for me. Like I want to play the best rugby I can possible. So when that all came about, um, I was very excited. And it's funny, every all of my like friends and family are saying like, Wow, Louise, you look so happy. But um, playing rugby full-time, and especially at a club like Sarah's, is pretty special. I'm very aware that one day I'll probably look back at this and be like, well, those were the good old days. <laughs> and you've had the experience of the World Cup as well um, this this past sort of six months. How was that for you? Yeah, I think it is. For me personally, it's such a split thing. Like For me, the rugby didn't go very well at all. So I came out of that really much like some of my other friends in Scotland like went travelling and stayed out there. But for me, I think I was very disappointed with my my own personal rugby. So I like I literally came back to Scotland for a week and then was straight down to Saris because I was like, I want to get better at rugby immediately. But 
the other side of that, like the experience, getting to experience a new culture. And I was very fortunate that my parents were able to come out. So that was really special moment. Like I do have two other siblings, but I would say for a good solid three weeks, I felt like an only child. We were at the other side of the world with just my parents and getting to experience that with them. Like they had the best time meeting all the other parents. I'd even met some, not only just Scotland parents, they met, I think they ran into Jess Breach's parents. Like they had the best time out there. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, I was kind of like rushing back afterwards because I was like, I just need to get better at rugby immediately. Well, you, you've certainly not disappointed from the, the <laughs> Barry's point of view. Um, and, and let's, whilst we can we can have some little bit of gloating, this last weekend's game against Gloucester Hartbury, I was down there. Um, that might be the source of my tickle. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, and there was a few of us down there from, from the Sarri's point of view. Uh, talk us through how you and the team found that game. Um, and obviously, um, we won't talk about the celebrations on the bus too much on the way back. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's funny because I feel like sometimes players and coaches, they speak about like these common phrases and one of them they always say is like, oh, we're building as a team. But this is like a true epitome. That game was just like we built so much this season and like everything kind of like had built up to that game. And um, because I think like back to some of the previous games we played extra away, it was like the same group of girls playing, but we just hadn't had that time together as a squad. Whereas like that game against Gloucester Heart Rate, it really felt like all of our performances, all the things that we'd kind of worked on, like we really did improve a lot. I mean, there was still so much in that performance that wasn't great, but yet we were still able to grind out a really physical win and a really tough match. Like you love playing games like that because, you know, there was times where we definitely we maybe felt like we weren't going to win, but just to like grind out a victory like we did, that was pretty special. I mean, it was it was a fabulous game to watch on, on the sidelines, and I know that um, uh, guys that are on the call were watching it up at the Stonex as well because they uh, live streamed that uh, from the Stonex as well. Yeah, I mean, I I had the privilege of being at the um, the reverse fixture this season, so it's uh, it's <laughs> nice to see us get a bit of revenge, definitely. But I mean, to that was the that was the question I was going to have was you know how how did it feel after the. Uh, for the team after the after the loss to Gloucester Harper. Did, did that factor into the, the match this weekend at all or was it just a case of ignoring that and uh, and seeing it as another match? No, I, I think completely. Um, the, away, the home fixture we were really disappointed with um, and lots of girls saying, you know, that is not who we are as a team. I mean, I don't like to make excuses, but we were, like, the team was kind of, when we last played them, we're... I don't think we, we could have had a team-wide spread, um, spread illness that we really, like, honestly, I've never felt that ill in my life. Um, I've never once ever wanted to come off a rugby pitch apart from that game against Gloucester Heartbreak because I was like, I physically felt like I could keep my own head up sitting at the, the kitchen table that morning, never mind actually playing a game of rugby. But I suppose that was kind of special in the way that, like, lots of members of that team on that day weren't playing well, but still, like, turning up and playing. But um, I think that was a pivotal point where we were, like, we have to not let this performance define us as a team and but still always like playing games looking back and being like we we are so much more than that and we have to prove and now make a statement that those performances are not us at all and I think we did a good job of that at the weekend. Yeah definitely I couldn't agree with you more and that comes off the back of obviously a a well thought out win in the duel against Quinns as well. Um, Yeah. London Derby. Uh, what what was your experience of, of playing that? Because again, similar to the Gloucester Harpery, we went to the Stoop and didn't have a, a, a great game or, or a good result there. Um, so, what was your take on the, um, the 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 duel at home at the Stonex with a with a record crowd? Um, I know. Yeah, that that really felt a special day to be part of. Like the record crowd was really something. Um, it really felt like we just had everything was on our side that day. Like we had all the momentum even before we'd even played, like to have that much support, like a club team. Like I've come from Scotland in the previous team where like you play a club game and the only people that are watching there, you know them all because they're fat friends and family. So to run out at a club game and have that much support is something really special. And it's not something I take for granted, but it really just felt like we had one up because of that huge level of support. Um, But yeah, it was a really special game again. Like, we just played so well that first half and again it just feel like everything clicked and kind of attack wise that we've been doing and our defense was was really good and luckily for me my, that was the game that my parents decided they were going to come down and watch 
So they absolutely loved it. They were like, oh my goodness, I hope all your games are like this. Um, so that was really cool. I was like, yeah, we get this many people to all of our games. We always play this well, mum and dad. This is my brand new exciting life. So yeah, that was a special one for me. Well, they must be a good omen then. If they can make it down to the end, <laughs> we play Exeter at home, that would be also excellent. <laughs> um, so we've got sale at home this weekend. Um, and then obviously I think there's um, a, a little bit of a break coming up the women's six nations obviously you you and us are all hoping that you'll participate in in that as well um what's your thoughts then in terms of um how you're um focused for the next sort of couple of months um certainly um including the six nations but um particularly from a sari's point of view yeah i mean for us still we have we still got have um a couple of big big important games coming up like the game against sale um Although maybe the away fixture, we put a lot of points on them. You know, at halftime, last, last weekend there, when they were playing Quinn's sale, were winning at halftime. So they're definitely not a team that you underestimate and think that's going to be an easy game. So, um, yeah, that will be a big one this weekend. And then the week following that, it is... DMP what? Away. DMP away, which will be, again, that like DMP performances have been um, improving every week. And going away to DMP I've heard is quite a big feat because it is just so far away I think it's actually closer to Scotland than it is to to Saris so um yeah that'll be a big one and then it's WASP then the following week so I think you know we can't take our eyes off and look at anything else it's just those games ahead and then obviously Six Nations happens but for us at Saris it's then straight like I don't think anyone will have like a proper time off because in the next the next the first game after Six Nations is Exeter. So, you know, you can't get to think about too much else at size. Like those are some really big games coming up. So we're still really sticking to task. We have to get in that top four and stay there. Fantastic. Matt usually has a standard question for, for people um on this show in terms of your aspirations, hopes, particularly for you as opposed to <laughs> But for you over um, sort of the rest of the season and perhaps even looking forward beyond this season um, and obviously perhaps hopefully coming back and playing for Saris next year as well. Yeah, I, whenever I ask that question, there's, there's one of two ways it goes and there's, there's only one person that's ever gone, this is what I want to do, this is where I see my <laughs> career going, this is what's happening. Most people go, oh yeah, just we want to keep improving as a team. We want to do this cliche, 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 cliche. Georgia Evans, no, bang, this is my career. This is what's going to happen. Are you going to do that? Um, oh, that, that is a tricky. I feel like that is a very grown-up question. Is it what do you want to do? Um, yeah, where do you um, see yourself I mean, in five years' time? <laughs> I mean, the reality, the reality of that question is, I. I obviously I used to work in an investment bank and had a very sensible, stable job. And when I was offered a Scotland contract, I very much gave myself, right, Louise, you're going to do this for a year because that was the length of the contract. And the reality is, like, I am able to do what I do because I have supporting from Scotland, I have supporting from size, which kind of allows me to live down here and live my dream job. Um, but I'm absolutely loving it, and I I really hope that that support's not taken away, um, because I really wish and hope with all my heart that I can spend another season at Saris because I am really enjoying it but um I wish I had a better answer than that um I mean my reasons for moving to Saris were very selfish that I just wanted to play with the best girls that I thought in the league that could help me so I want to stay here I think from my side, yeah, fair enough. If they're, they're helping you, great. But I think the I think the the team itself looks looks brilliant with yourself in it. You like I said, you've been one of the players of the season for me. But Barry, what do you reckon? Um, investment bank or international second row? Well, <laughs> if I was given the choice, I'd probably go for the investment bank because it's probably got a slightly longer career. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, obviously you're 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 at the right end of the country as well for a, a, a job in the uh, in the city, should you? Should you choose to go with that afterwards? But um, how I, what I want you to ask, actually, go, going back to rugby in all seriousness, how hard will it be for the girls to keep focus? I mean, you you said earlier that we've been building towards the, the Gloucester game away, and obviously that's come on the back of beating our local rivals um, the week before as well. And then it's Sale Sharks this weekend. Now, 
with all due respect to Sale, we played them a few weeks ago away and one was 73-8 or something, was it? It was, um, it, it was, it was quite a quite a one-sided game, judging by the look. How hard would it be for the, the girls to keep that focus and make sure that they don't mentally relax too much this weekend, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's ever been an issue with Saris. Like, I've never, during a week, trained so intensely. Like, this is the most intense environment I've been in. I'm among some of the most competitive girls you will ever meet in your life. Like, little things, <laughs> everything is just very competitive. Whether it's just a little game of handball in a warm-up session, it is like you're in the World Cup final of handball. So... <laughs> I don't want to shrug off the question, but I, I I generally just don't see that as an issue. Like, I think what makes Saris so special is how much everybody cares about playing for Saris and how much everyone cares about winning for Saris. So I definitely don't think foot off the gas at all. Um, I mean, it is to the point in the season where there is a lot of like sore bodies and tired bodies, mm. but that just means that you just have to make sure that your like, mind is switched on completely. Yeah, and obviously that that will be the tricky thing. But um, as you say, two more games, and then well, it's hardly a break, is it? Playing the Six Nations. I mean, that, that must <laughs> you you must almost be thinking, oh, is, is it ever going to end? But um, it, it it must be great to just be in, in that level of of competitive rugby week in week out. And I mean, I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not sure exactly how your fixtures fall um, this year for, with with Scotland, but. Uh, is there is a one game in the Six Nations you're really looking forward to, assuming you picked, of course. <laughs> so our first game is actually England. Um, it is it is England away, but it, they're playing it in Newcastle, so that's ah. the first game to kick it off. And I think that will be a fun one. Hopefully, like you said, hopefully selected, and then hopefully playing against some teammates would be quite cool. That's basically um, a home we, match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, exactly. I'm not having that. <laughs> um, and I think for me, it'll be so cool to actually feel like I've gained so much, learned so much from size and actually getting to put that into a Scottish performance would be pretty cool. Um, I think the, uh, the, the the Six Nations for the women mimic the men's games in terms of the home and away fixtures oh, and actually right. the fixtures that, they, that they're playing. So um, I think, um, yeah, there'll be some 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 good and hard-fought games there. And you could get some really, really good crowds, I think, as, as well, uh, for both of your home and away fixtures. and. Um, obviously, having the broadcasters take that up as well. Um, I think the BBC are, are, are playing all the games um, again this year. So again, so it should be um, you know a really good advert for for the, for the game um, in the break from the Premier Fifteens. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a really exciting time to be involved in women's sport. Full stop. But. Yeah, there's definitely just been so much extra support provided for Six Nations, which makes it so much easier for people to tune in and watch games if they're not able to come. Um, so, yeah, it's been a really cool time to be involved, especially in the Scotland setup. Um, we play at Dan Health, which is a really nice sized stadium for the sort of crowds we get. And and like you said, we've got three um, fixtures at home this this season. So that's quite exciting as well. Not a happy hunting ground for Saracens. So, yeah, hopefully you do a little better there than, uh, <laughs> than we did recently. Actually, one thing I was going to ask, I mean, this, I'm going to have to phrase this right, but, you know, we've um, we've just come off the back of uh, of a game in front of almost 3,000 people at the Stone X. Another week you might be playing at, you know, at, at grounds. I mean, I, I was down at, um, last year down at Twyford Avenue playing uh, with Saracens playing against Wasps, and I think I was one of maybe 25 people there. Does it affect how you play the game in any way, having a big crowd behind you or a small crowd behind you? Or is, are you just able to tune out whatever's going on at the side of the pitch? Yeah, and I think it's funny when you say that because when you're sitting in a stand, you're like, how could you tune this out? But when we were playing Gloucester Heart, like Heartbury, you would just be so focused on the met, the match and then something, like there'd be a, a break in play and then suddenly you were just very aware that there was just this loud noise coming and actually there was quite a lot of people there. Um, and the same when we played at Stone X, like you said, um, Quinn's when there was 3,000 people there. And then suddenly you're walking back from a try and there's just this huge cheer. And it's like, how how did I not hear this before? <laughs> um, no, I'm quite good at tuning it out. But yeah, I know it was quite special to have 3,000 people there. But yeah. That's fair. I did I mean, tune it out a little bit. That's good. But sometimes, I guess, if there's if there's a few thousand people, it's just one general noise. Whereas if you, if you are playing at a ground where maybe there aren't quite as many fans around and you can hear one angry person, 
I'm guessing that's just as bad sometimes. No, I, I'm definitely like at the at this the start of my career with playing Scotland games. I used to able be able to hear my own brother, his own voice. I could pick him out just shouting his his, his voice off. To be fair, he would normally at the end of one of my games lose his voice because he just shouted so much. But um, yeah, things have definitely changed in then, and I cannot no longer hear my my single brother just shouting. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. We'd obviously rather you played in front of thousands of people rather than dozens, which is which is definitely good for the game, certainly. And what you were going to ask there about um, thoughts on the announcement of where the Premier 15s final was going when you started talking about stadiums for a minute. Well, I didn't want to say much. Yeah, you'd think... Um... It's good I've got Jez on here because I suspect that there'll be a Jez rant. <laughs> yeah, he's on holiday. I should have said that right at the start of the show. That he's having another week off. But, no, actually, yeah. I mean, how how, how does everyone feel about the uh, the announcement of where the Premier 15s final was going to be held? Obviously, uh, at the uh, the home location of the side that is uh, not top of the table at the moment, but where are they top? They had their game. Uh, this is all very yeah. confusing now because they had their five points given to them after the Wasp game was cancelled. So I suppose they are top now. But um, yeah, potentially a home fixture for a possible finalist. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I think, you know, obviously I've, this is my first season playing in the league, but some girls kind of saying that, like, you know, they've never played or, like, wanted to play at size and that's not been an option and now King's, King's home is. But, I mean, for me, I absolutely loved playing there at the weekend. <laughs> like, that was a good... I've got nothing but good memories playing there. So I think it'd be, you know, another good game there. I mean, for me, the, sta- the stadium, like... The, it, it did feel like my um, one of my friends came to watch and he said, you know, it did feel like wherever he sat, he moved around a couple of places, he sat in enemy territory. He was like, but for me, I didn't even notice that. So I just thought it was a good game and I enjoyed playing there. So You'll no doubt have heard of the shed though. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think there was anyone sitting in the shed when we played. Um, yeah, but I have heard that it rattles and gets gives people goosebumps. I, th- I, th- I think there might be if, uh, if if the two sides were, if that was the final. I think the shed yeah. might be uh, a bit more occupied this time, but never mind, we'll uh, we'll all try and get down and, and support you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think it'd be hard, hard push to drown out the shed though, so we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll have a go. <laughs> we'll take Jay's with us. Oh, that'll help. I feel yeah. like I may have let down my, some of my teammates there because I know that some of the girls definitely had much stronger opinions on it there, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've seen some of the public opinions, so what some of the private ones are is probably not for us to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to discuss. But yeah, you know, one day the final might be held at the Stonex, but yeah. we shall see, we shall see. Well, look, what we need to talk about now, I think, is a bit of Six Nations rugby. And I think, Louise, because you're here, we probably need to talk about Scotland. Because yes. they've been... A bit of a breath of fresh air in this Six Nations, haven't they? Oh, completely. And as a, as a Scotland supporter, sometimes it is exhausting supporting the men's team. I mean, you could probably say that about the women's team as well. <laughs> but uh, speaking as someone as a, as a supporter of the, the male team as well, like there's definitely been years of Six Nations where, you know, it's just disappointment after disappointment. But like you said, it's, it's so nice to to support a team that are just playing a brand of rugby that is so exciting. You know, I, I remember watching games of Scotland where the only points they would ever get is from Chris Patterson kicking conversion um, penalty kicks. And it was just, whatever Scotland scored, it was always a multiple of three because that's the only way they got points. So it's it's really cool now to be a supporter where they're actually playing really exciting rugby, like the most exciting rugby to watch. I'm glad Jez isn't here to talk about Finn Russell. Is that right, Barry? <laughs> well, I was just thinking, you know, you're sitting there saying it's been a few barren years as a as a Scotland supporter. As an England supporter, could we possibly have the Calcutta Cup back at some point in the near future? <laughs> yeah, I actually, we I watched that game in, in England for the first time ever in my life and it was right after our Wasps game. Um, so we just stayed in the Wasp Clubhouse because it was uh, literally we didn't have enough time to get back to our side of London. Mm. So I just stayed with some of the Saris girls. And yeah, I actually made a, a bet with Ke- Kelsey Clifford, um, our young prop. She was obviously supporting England. So I actually won myself a steak dinner on her. So I was very uh. happy with that, that performance. 
hope she's paid up. Has she delivered on her bet yet? We haven't had a chance to yet, but I, I think she is going to take me for that stake dinner. She did offer that we could bet on the reverse fixture for the women, but I I said, I'm, I don't think I'm actually allowed to bet on my own games. So I will just accept her stake dinner. That's fair. Now, I don't know if she actually listens to the show, but Kelsey's mum certainly follows us on Twitter. So maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have a little push for, <laughs> for that to be paid up. Did you manage to watch the game against France, Louise? What, what did you, uh, we, we, we're getting the controversial bit out of the way. What did you think of the two red cards then? Yeah, to be fair, I, I, I don't think I can argue with with uh, either of them. Although the French one did seem so, like so unnecessary. Not that tackling someone with your shoulder is not unnecessary, but you, you know, I could kind of make sense of that more than the the French one where he, he, he just so blatantly just seemed to like charge it, charge it with his shoulder, which I didn't. Yeah, he just, just seemed to sort of launch himself like a, yeah, sort of a like, like some sort of ground to ground missile almost, didn't he? Yeah. Sort of, you know, tried to but, I mean, not that I ever approve of head on the head contact, but when the Scotland red card came, I was like, well, this game is going to be an absolute disaster. So I, I was not that I ever approve of anybody headbutting anybody, but the French red card I was quite relieved with. I was like, okay, maybe we might have a bit more of a game here. Well, <laughs> Things uh, were looking bad for a while. As yeah, I mean, as as it turned out, they they certainly did, and and but for a a, a couple of bits of uh, misfortune and some some decent French holding up over the line, it, it could well have been a, a a different result. No, yeah, for sure. Like they're playing very good rugby at the moment, the guys. So hopefully, the women can <laughs> do the same. I so it's definitely something to uh, to watch and keep an eye on. No, and you're right as well. There's a there's a big difference, and we try and make it on this show all the time. Huge difference between someone getting their tackle technique wrong and quite rightly getting a red card, and doing something completely brain dead. That's yeah. all we can mm-hmm. uh, all we can really say. But yeah, it's good to see that. Um, that Scotland are doing okay. I mean, obviously for for us sitting here as England fans, it's um, it's an interesting time, isn't it? But. <laughs> <laughs> there is there's a couple of sorry's and Andrew Christie he's Scottish well I don't know how mm. Scottish he is but I claim is completely Scottish and then is Sean Maitland he's Scottish and then yeah Sean um, Sean, Sean Maitland who's about as Scottish as I am which I'm sure he <laughs> wouldn't mind us wouldn't mind us saying that but yeah, See, it's funny because I have a I have a very controversial opinion on this because we have some some Scots from far abroad as well. But you you don't understand like when you play alongside these people, they are as Scottish as it gets. Like <laughs> yes, their voice might sound different, but I've got one of my closest friends is born in born in Canada. Sounds very Canadian, but she is as Scottish as it gets. Like when you represent your country and when you play in a team and are as close as we are, like you are Scottish. You are. So I know that that has definitely been a bit of controversy about how Scottish are some of the players, but. I yeah, I don't don't think it should be at all. I mean, in England as well. We've you know we've got players from far flung places. At the end of the day, if you're proud to represent a country, then you're proud to represent a country. That's that's all it needs to be. It's um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Flag on your shirt, Joe. You're nodding your head very sagely down there. No, I, I, well, I, I agree. Let's face it that that's in teams across the world, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. No matter you say different accents and and different places that they've originally come from but as soon as you stick on a a, a shirt with with your your flag on for that country then it, it turns into a very different ball game so to speak mm-hmm. it's still rugby yeah absolutely well I think that's a pretty good point to uh, to end there. We'll come back in a bit and uh, I don't know whether myself and Barry are going to have a little bit of a moan about the England game or whether they're going to be happy about <laughs> it. It's one of those that's a, that's a little bit odd, but we'll uh, we'll take a quick break. But Louise, really appre- appreciate you joining us uh, this evening. It's, uh, it's been fa- fantastic to have you on and fantastic to get your, uh, your thoughts on how the season's going and I really hope that everything's going well where you are right now and um, yeah, Six Nations not far off as well for you. Fingers crossed that goes well too. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Hi guys, I'm Alex Lunton and I'm a proud Loose Heads Ambassador. I'm Sydney Gregson and I'm a Loose Heads Ambassador. We're a rugby mental health charity working to tackle the stigma. 
You can find us at Looseheads on all social media channels or at looseheads.co.uk. The Looseheads mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club. Get in touch now to find out more. Take care and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Enjoy the rest of the pod. Well, welcome back to the final part of the show. And yeah, thank you again to uh, to Louise McMillan for that. It's uh, a privilege to to have a chat with her. Um, look, we uh, we obviously need to talk about the uh, the I was going to say the other Six Nations game, but we haven't talked about Ireland against Italy. And I'm not going to bother because I didn't see any of it. So <laughs> we'll just talk about the uh, the Wales England game, which you know at one point it looked like wasn't going to happen at all. Um, obviously glad that something has got sorted there. But two sides in pretty poor form um playing a match that was played it looked like it was played by two sides in pretty poor form that's all I can really say to be honest what, what do you think Barry yeah it was it was a little bit of a of a two two ball men fighting over a comb situation again but <laughs> it, to, to be fair I mean as an England fan if you'd offered us played 3-1-2 at the beginning of the tournament, we would probably have taken that, albeit we would probably have swapped the games over and thought that, well, I mean, certainly in Jesse's prediction league, I, I didn't see us winning in Cardiff because we don't do it that often. Um, but, you know, w- we would have taken that and it wasn't it wasn't the world's worst performance and it, it's always nice to to get a win in Cardiff. I mean, it's the first one for six years, I think. So it was... It was uh, it, it was. It wasn't the best of games, but uh, sometimes the result does make it worthwhile. Yeah, sometimes a win's a win, isn't it? Um, the um, the talking point, as it always is with England, is our number ten. Um, I, Joe, I'm in Farrell right now. <laughs> well, I don't think he was. At the top of his game at the weekend, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. There's always going to be that everlasting conversation about whether you pay him at ten and whether you pay him at twelve. Um, and I know that our esteemed colleague Jez will have his own opinions about that. Um, you've got to hand it to him. He's he's a fantastic player, um, and when he's playing for Saris. He he's just pulling all the strings um, all over the park. I just, I wonder whether the scheme of play with England doesn't necessarily suit Owen at 10 there. And maybe Borthwick will, you know, that just needs a couple more games to, to, to you know, land and see if that changes or not. I think there's probably just a little bit more experimenting to do um, and whether Owen at, at, at 10 is the answer I'm I'm still a little bit undecided um, well there's I'm being brutally honest there's there's a fella at sale who's just come back in from an injury and uh, him at 10 and, and Faz at 12 has, has worked well for England over the years so might we see that again in the next game I don't know I can't really see into the mind of uh, Mr Borthwick but it wouldn't really surprise me too much no I agree with you Barry I agree I'd have to say I agree as well. Um, I don't, you know, we we'll talk about the positives of how how Owen Farrell played on on Saturday because they were some. Um, mm. You know, the the social media comments are either that he's the worst player in the world or he's the best thing since sliced bread. But in defence, Owen was superb. Um, he put in more tackles than any back um, in the game. He marshaled the defence superbly. Um, all 17 of the tackles that he made were done with arms. They were done low. <laughs> so no one can say anything about that. It was the attack looked slow. That's not necessarily his fault. Now, I know Jez would say, oh, he chucked the pass for, uh, for Watson's try, but he's a fly half. Of course, he chucked the pass for Watson's try because that's what fly halves do. Um, off the tee... He wasn't very good at all. Um, and I didn't actually realise this season as a whole, his kicking is down at 70%. Um, and in the Six Nations, he's at 44. 
which for your kicker, any other game except Wales, we'd have lost, I think, and it would have been down to missing kicks. I, Barry, what's the answer? What do we do? The the, the hard thing for, for Owen is he's, he set his own standards so high that, that 44 looks awful. Um, it, to be fair, it wouldn't look brilliant for any any fly half, but his his kicking state uh, stats are normally up in the eighties, and uh, and they have been for a long time. So, so yeah, you know when you make that comparison, but but you're right about the tackling. He made as many tackles as Talupi Falatel in that match, who is a, a back row for heaven's sake. Um, he actually had a better tackle record than Falatel in that game. That's how good Owen was on on defence and. You know, for for the other chap who's played at, at, at twelve, at ten rather for England this season, he wouldn't have made seventeen tackles. He wouldn't make seventeen tackles if he played for a season, let alone one game. Um, so I thought I thought Faz had a good game until it came to the kicking, and then it it, it was it was poor. Um, but you know, he's a class act. Saracens look a better better side with Owen playing, and England do as well. So I hope that. Yeah, you know, we were saying it might be maybe George Ford will come back. I hope Borthwick finds a way to keep Owen in the side because we are going to need his experience and his leadership in the next two games. I think so too, and um, I think it says all really when um, you know the the first well not the first critic but the the biggest critic of of Owen after the match was Owen himself. Hmm. Um, I didn't actually see the interview at the time, but he he basically came straight out and said, "Yeah, it wasn't good enough." Which obviously you hope anyone that anyone that hasn't had a great game would be able to come out and say, but you know, he's, he's the captain. He could have <laughs> done the cliche that I've, I've mentioned before and sat there and talked about the team and deflected from, from himself. But no, he's, he was big enough and ugly enough to, to be able to front up and say, yeah, he didn't have the best day. And I, you know, he will have better games of rugby. Um, but yeah, I think once again, there's there's too much reactionary uh, behaviour going on. If Steve Borthwick decides to change it for the next game, then he decides to change it for the next game, and we get to have a look at have a look at something else. But yeah, I think um, Owen still definitely has his place in that in that England team. He just um, he'll be doing an awful lot of work from the tee <laughs> this week, won't he? <laughs> Yeah, we, we 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 know enough about Owen at Saracens to know that he's he's probably not actually left the training field at, at Penny Hill Park yet. He's probably still kicking now as we speak in the dark and uh, hoping and praying that they go through the the, the posts. But no, he'll he'll work on it. Um, everyone's entitled to an off day. I think even even professional sportsmen at the, at the highest level can ha- can have an off day. And as I say, his all round game was 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 you know decent if nothing yeah. else. If he'd, if he'd kicked those, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't be saying, oh, he was a bit slow in attack and he was a little bit this and he was a little bit that. We'd be saying, what a brilliant performance. So it, literally that is the difference. And that's something that he's done regularly, year in, year out for England and Saracens, and he will do again for both clubs, I'm sure. Absolutely. Oh, it's the curse of, of playing in a specialist position, isn't it? I mean, if you've got a, a hooker, for example, who, you know, he could put in 25 tackles and, and score two tries. But if every single one of his line outs is wonky and they miss him all, that, that's what he'll be remembered for. And exactly the same with a with a fly half, or well, not necessarily a fly half, but if your kicker in the game is, is missing more kicks than he's, than he's scoring, it's, yeah, it's, it's the bit that's going to be picked up on. But we move on. We move on. How, uh, Joe, how do you think um, the last two games in the Six Nations for England could go? <laughs> well, they'll either win or lose. The <laughs> I really <laughs> hope we draw. Yeah, I hope we draw both of them next. <laughs> well, um, I think there's there's some improvements to, make, to, be, to be made if they're going to, um, you know, be at the top of um, that sort of table or anywhere near it. Clearly, you know, Ireland are playing well, France are playing well, um, and and England, I don't know whether Borthwick has got his set team, and I don't think that's either that's necessarily a bad thing either. Um, we can talk about um, his his predecessor and his um, penchant for for picking the same people 
on the team in the same positions. Um, but clearly, Mr. Borthwick is, is is his own man, so to speak. So we'll see we'll see what comes from from those from those selections. But I think um, um, I would hope that at least one of those is a is a win out of out of the two. Um, they've got the capability, they've got the players there. It's just getting them all gelled together, I think, and um, and linked up, and and hopefully. Um, we can see some really good performances all the way across the park. So we haven't got Jez whinging about any of the players. <laughs> you feeling the same, Barry? Yeah, I, I'm almost tempted to say that we 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 played the the games that had some pressure on, um, and it's almost a free hit against France and and then Ireland, particularly against Ireland. I mean, absolutely no one expects us to go over there and win. Um, it's St. Patrick's weekend. It should be Ireland just lining up for the for the Grand Slam, and it, you know it's it's we, we spoke about Gloucester Hartley being allowed to play the potentially the final at home. It's uh, not too dissimilar to Leinster in the Champ- Champions Cup this year, is it? <laughs> have, have a home draw all the way through to the the end of it, but um, everything's everything will be against us in in Dublin that weekend. We we really can go there and just really give it a go we, we might as well we've got nothing to lose because no one expects us to come back with anything anyway so we might as well have a go at it and there's almost a sense that we could possibly do that uh the week before against france as well because although it's a home game and there will be a, a little bit more pressure on us um it is a free hit in effect because we're playing the number two side in the world followed by the number one side in the world and we might as well just go out and, and give it a go and if we win we win and we've literally for, for once, the pressure won't be on us, I think. And hopefully, if um, Borthwick can get that across to the players, we might just see a different England performance. Yeah. And there is a there is a scenario, you know, we're, a couple of weeks' time, we've got we've got France at, at Twickenham. And you think, right, OK, we'll, we'll play that game, chuck it about a bit, score a few tries, bonus point win. And if something very strange happens and Scotland beat Ireland... All of a sudden, we go into the final game of the Six Nations knowing exactly what we'd need to do to win the thing, which really just doesn't seem possible in a way, but it is. Um, so, you know, there's, there's stuff to be cheerful about, I think. Equally, we could get an absolute stuffing in the next two games and we're just going to sit here whinging and moaning, but we don't, we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen. But look... We try to keep it as light as possible. There's no Jez rant in today's show. We'll leave it, we'll leave it there, I think. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute. Have I just got 20 minutes to talk about Max Malin's intercept? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, that's the bit that I was avoiding. So go on, Barry. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do feel sorry for him in the cold light of day now, looking back on it. But that was um, a, a pretty awful pass. You, you'd be disappointed if you saw that over at uh, National League. 27 on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, it was, um, yeah. Max, if you're listening, just look next time, please, mate. <laughs> yeah, it was um, telegraphed to the point of there being a big neon sign above his head saying, I'm about to throw the ball to you, wasn't it? But <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a pretty error-strewn game, I think, Max. Um, there were some good good elements to it as well. I think um, he was um, pretty solid in the kick chase. Um, I know people don't like us playing kick chase chuck it up in the air rugby but he um he was batting the ball back a fair bit um but yeah there was um, there was a few few errors in that and again another player that will that will definitely come back strong from it but yeah absolutely it happens <laughs> but yeah has anyone got anything they want to rant about we've got to try something haven't we oh, this is all too nice maybe we'll just end the show there <laughs> I'm sure Jez will be back next week. He certainly will. I'll be off next week. So, um, so yeah, well, Jez and whoever's around, we'll see you for next week's doom and gloom show. But um, <laughs> for now, thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you, Louise, for being on the show. And, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. This is the Fezcast. Cast.